let me just start off. I just want to tell you a story. Um, I started off, I started college at Grand Valley State University uh, years and years ago, and I showed up at the Honors College, which is where I lived, um, which, for the record, is one of the most boring places to live on campus. And uh, I walked in, didn't know anybody, I went in totally blind, um, which, if you're not familiar with what that means, it means you didn't pick your roommate and you don't know your roommates, so you're kind of just walking in hoping for a good result. And uh, so I walked in, you know, checked in, and they said, we'll show you your room, they walked me down, and I walked in, and there's one guy in my room, and he's a little bit awkward, and he's like, hi, I'm David, what's your name? And I was like, are you kidding me? The one other, straight up, the one person I met in four years of school on campus named David was my roommate. That's it. So who's in charge of putting people together, or who thought that would be funny? But so David and David lived in this room together with two other roommates, we all had our own uh, rooms, like, in this dorm. Uh, but anyway, I, I hit it off, and I'm, I'm talking to him. I'm trying to talk. He's a little bit awkward. And no joke, 10 minutes into the conversation, my family left. It's just he and I. I'm brand new in college. I've never been, you know, I've never been in college. This is it. This is the start. And he looks at me, and he says, I'm pretty tired, so I'm going to go take a nap. And he turns around, closes his door, and takes a nap. And I'm sitting there, like, first day of college, First friend on campus is taking a nap because apparently I winded him in my 10 minutes together. So I need to find someone because this is the start. This is where it begins. So I, I literally walked out of my room, right, walked out of my dorm, walked down the hall, and the first person I saw, and this is the second person that I met on campus, is this guy. This is Joel. And uh, Joel was my RA, and uh, RA stands for resident assistant. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with that or the role of a resident assistant, it's basically this. He is the glorified babysitter for our floor, right? Somebody's clapping already. Yeah, babysitters, right? Freshmen, we need it. So anyway, here's Joel. And I just hit it off with Joel and just started talking to him. And we built this cool relationship. And he started introducing me to people. And then as I met people, I'd introduce him. And we, we kind of just had this cool friendship you know, we'd do meals together. We'd go play sports together. Joel was just a cool guy that I really enjoyed hanging with. Um, but you know, as friendships do, over time, they just get deeper. You know, so we just developed a closer relationship. And eventually, the conversation turned a little bit more spiritual. And uh, we asked the question somehow of like, well, what do you think about religion? Or what do you believe about religion or Christianity or anything like that? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. What about you? And he said, I'm an atheist. I don't think there's a God. I think science proves there's not a God. And he started rattling off argument after argument after argument. And, you know, we're friends, and so it's not like it was rude or insensitive the way he was saying. But I just remember for the first time in my life having someone this close to me who didn't share my same beliefs or convictions. And the problem that I ran into was Joel wasn't a Christian, and I didn't know how to share my faith. That's where it was. You know, here's this guy that I look at and I love and I care about, and yet I, I have no idea how to convey the gospel to him or, or really even articulate what I believe and why. And so here, here's the problem, too, with this type of relationship is, is if I don't say anything about Christianity or if I, don't, if I don't represent it well to him, you know how he draws his conclusions? Um, by one of these two guys that I'm going to show you. At Grand Valley's campus, every fall, one of these two gentlemen shows up. This is Brother Jed. Everybody say, hi, Brother Jed. Just kidding. Don't say hi. We don't like Brother Jed. So Brother Jed shows up on campus in the free speech part 
and barks and yells and screams at students with no effort to make any sort of conversation, but just yells at them as they pass by. And the reason this is such an important location is there is a bridge about 100 feet from this spot. And the bridge, you can either walk across the bridge to get to class and back and forth from home, or you can walk a couple extra miles all the way around. So he is hitting everybody as he goes through. And in case you didn't get Brother Jed, sometimes he got Gary. I don't know what Gary's last name is. We don't really care in this context right now. But this is Gary. Fear God, right? Turn or burn. That was always their message. So I struggled with this on a real note because I have a relationship with Joel. And Joel matters a whole lot to me. But if I don't say anything, these guys to Joel represents Christianity. Do you see the problem? Here I am struggling, going, I love and care about this guy, this friendship that I have, but I have no idea how to convey my relationship with Jesus to him. Luke 19.10, Jesus says this in one of the Gospels. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus says, "I, I had a mission when I came to the world, and here's my mission, is to seek out, to look for, to find, to go on a rescue mission to save people. That's it. That's why Jesus came. And so for three years, this is what Jesus did. And this is what he taught his disciples to do. And then, right before he ascended into heaven, he addresses the crowd and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. Go do the exact same thing. Go seek and go save the lost. This is why we're doing a a series called Church Everywhere, is because what we believe that Jesus says in the Bible is Jesus says, go out, seek and save the lost, make it happen, do it in your lives, do it in your context, do it now as if if it's important because this is what I do and this is what followers of me do. So Church Everywhere, we're just trying to answer the question, how do we be the church everywhere? Not just on Sundays. We're not just that small group. Or not just at, you know, whatever it is your involvement here is at church. How do we be the church everywhere in a context that doesn't know or doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? So if I have a purpose today for what I want to accomplish or what I want us to walk out like when we're done, that you just go, yep, here are the two things. These are the two things. I want all of us to walk away with a simple understanding of the gospel and how to share it. That's it. Because this was the crossroads that I was at, and this is the crossroads many of us are at in life, is there's people around me that don't know Jesus or don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe that's you, and you go, I I don't really know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus, uh, but I want to learn, I want to know how. This is meant to equip us with, this is the gospel in the most simplest forms, and how to share it, how to replicate it, how to do the same mission that Jesus sent us to do. So, Um, We're going to read 2 Corinthians. We're going to jump into this. And Corinthians is a letter. Um, The book of 2 Corinthians is a letter written by an apostle named Paul, who was a believer, a follower of Jesus. And he wrote this letter thousands of years ago to a group who lives in Corinth. Just a bunch of churches in Corinth. So if you've ever wondered, like, I've never heard of Corinth before. Corinth is over, uh, if you see it, it's in the bottom left of your screen here. But it's close to Athens, if you see that. Greece, Rome, Italy. Corinth, or like the historical site of Corinth, which you can still visit, is right there. 
So this is the context in which we're writing. But Paul is writing to this group of people, to these churches, and he's trying to explain what it means to follow Jesus. He's trying to simplify it to this group. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us. Pay attention to that word reconciled reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We'll keep going here. That God was reconciling, there's the word again, the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So Paul is talking to this group of people, and he's saying, I want to break down the gospel to you. The gospel, reconciliation, this word that he uses, um, he's saying uh, reconciliation, it's katalaxantos. Does that sound like a fun word to say? Anybody else want to say it? No, me neither. Okay, kata alexantos. This is a Greek word translated for the word reconciled. And what it means is this, to change or to exchange. So Paul is saying the gospel or Christianity in its most simplest form is this. There was a before Jesus, Jesus, and after Jesus. But this, this Jesus part, he talks about the kata alexantos, I think is how you say it is this great exchange that takes place in which Jesus says, you take whatever you carry with you. You take your past, you take your hurts, you take your burden, you take your guilt, and you take your sin, and whatever it is that you just carry, and you go, man, there's just brokenness, or there's just sin, or there's just pain, or there's just death. Whatever that is, Jesus says, you take that, and when you meet me, you trade that for new life. Jesus says, I'm the only one that can trade. And so I opened that invitation. You know, so here's Jesus saying, this is what the gospel means. I take your old life and now you take mine, which means as you stand before God someday, you don't stand on your own merit. You don't stand to be condemned. In fact, you stand with Jesus. So when God looks at you, He also associates you with Jesus and Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' purity and Jesus' right standing. Jesus says, this is the best deal in the world you're ever going to get. I take your bad, you get my good, and this is the gospel. Is that simple or what? So as we think about our own stories that we bring often, you know, for me, I've shared part of my story with you before, um, but what I carried was a lot of baggage, a lot of sin, a lot of anger. I carry like this pain, but then when I met Jesus, Jesus traded all of that, the stuff that I was carrying, the stuff I was burdened with. Jesus said, we're going to do the great exchange. We're going to switch. And I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to give you new purpose. I'm going to give you a new passion. I'm going to give you new life. This is the gospel message. So, how do you share it? How do you convey that with other people? Um, I love this story. I think this is so funny. But when I was a freshman, fast forward, you know, a couple months, I was a part of an organization called Crew, which is Campus Crusade for Christ, just like a large, small group on campus. But what they said to a group of us students as freshmen, uh, but then also there were sophomores, juniors, seniors in there, they said, we offer one spring break trip, if any of you are interested in going, um, and we go on a mission trip to Panama City Beach, Florida, during spring break, and here's the catch, it's only going to cost you $50. 
So I'm sitting there as a freshman going, my brain hurts a little bit from all the school, but I'm smart enough to pick up on this. I can't feed myself for $50 in a week. And you're offering to, for $50, you're going to feed me, you're going to transport me down there, and you're going to let me have a blast on spring break for $50? Sign me up. Don't care what it is. I'm in. Party City, USA, right? So I come down, and uh, I just have to tell you this. This was an evangelism conference. I don't know how much of that I knew ahead of time. I don't know how much I cared ahead of time. Um, But I showed up for this evangelism conference learning how to share our faith. And the thing you have to know about me is two things. I had no game with girls, and I had no game with the gospel. And I'm going to prove it to you. Okay? So, first picture, right? Check this one out. There's me basically saying, ladies, I'm available. Come find me. You want my number? You know, just like maybe, maybe if I just flex my arms a little bit, I'll get more attention. Don't notice the two girls behind who have zero interest, by the way. They were with our group. So this next picture, though, this one's really funny. Um, this is, I was a cool kid, right? Because cool kids wear their sweaters or sweatshirts in 80-degree weather in Florida on spring break. Right? So I stroll up and, you know, kind of trying to do the cool walk. And I walk in. This is within 15 minutes of being in Florida. 15 minutes. I show up wearing the sweatshirt. I'm sweating under there, but I don't have enough common sense to take off the sweatshirt. So I come, and there's a cute girl sitting in the hot tub. I'm like, this is, it's, it's working. This is perfect. So I walk up. I do the walk. I sit down next to her. And I, this is opening line. You ready for this? Hey. Hi, is what she said. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from Ohio. And no joke, I went, Ohio. Ohio. Oh, is right. She looked at me like, hmm, see ya. And no joke, got up walked away, and I'm sitting there like, I don't know why that didn't work. And someone said, David, smile, and they took that photo. Okay, so did I prove it to you? Zero game with girls. Also had zero games with the gospel. Zero game with the gospel. I had no idea how to share it. I had no idea how to build a relationship with someone that could lead to a gospel sharing or a gospel conversation or how to articulate my beliefs or what I thought about God and what my relationship with him is like. And so what I spent the next week doing was we would go um we would it was basically church but down in florida so it was like you sing and you you sing worship songs and you praise and then you also hear from speakers and speakers who just teach you and give you tools like this is what the gospel is this is an easy analogy to use or this is something you can draw in the sand and then what they would do is they would kick us out of the building every day for five or six hours and when you hit the beach that looks like this We were in Party City, USA, with one job. And our one job was seek and save the lost. Open season, right? Right for the picking. So I remember walking out the first day. um, This was nuts. I just have to tell you. Like, when you're there and you're like, this is everything I've seen on TV where people get shot and, you know, people are passed out. And I was like, well, this is pretty accurate. And uh, I remember walking out and just like looking, like just walking around going, who, who do I share with? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to talk? And you know how like on the beach, if you've been to the ocean, how like when the tide comes in and out, sometimes it creates kind of like this sand dune, or like this big sandy ridge. 
So two guys, two of the first guys that I saw, they had come over to this sand embankment and carved out their own bench and then sat down in the bench and just goofing around and messing around with each other. And I'm like, these guys look friendly. This, this could work. So I just walk up. I start talking to them, start building a relationship. And I'm like, hey, what's up? My name's David. Where are you guys from? This is where I'm from. What are you doing here? That was easy. What am I doing here? Didn't expect that one. You know, so we're just talking back and forth. And I noticed this within 30 seconds that we're talking. All of a sudden, there was a girl in a bathing suit that walked behind me, right? So I'm, I'm looking at them, and a girl walks behind. Their attention immediately went from David to anything else. And it was like a typewriter. It was just like, once we get done with that one, ding, slide back over. What was your name again? Uh, David, yeah. Okay, what were you saying? And we did this for like 10 or 15 minutes going, I would just wait. At a certain point, I was like, it's okay. I know she's coming. I'll just wait. You know. And they'd sit there and go, yep. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? What's up? And then she disappears. Okay, back to you. And I thought it was funny. So I'm like, this is a joke. They're not listening to anything. This isn't going anywhere. Well, fast forward two days. Two days. Um, I went out with this girl later at night to do night sharing, is what they call it. You're just walking around, and um, if you thought it was busy during the day, you should see it at night. And uh, we're walking on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden this, like, big, kind of rowdy crowd is, like, moving towards us like this mob. And remember, it's, like, me and then a very small girl. And I'm like, it's basically just me. You know, like, if this gets out of hand, if whatever. And so I was like, just stay behind. Because it's one of those, you can't avoid it. You just got to go straight through it. And so I was like, you know, flex a little bit, make it look, make you look bigger, right? Hoodie and all. And uh, I walked through this thing. I got three quarters of the way through this mob. And someone yells out, Dave? And my first thought is, what the heck? Who knows that I'm here? Like, who, who did I meet? Who did I interact with? It was one of the guys sitting on the sand dune talking to me for 10 minutes earlier, two days earlier. And I'm like, how's it going? What's up? What ended up happening is he came up and he said, you know, the stuff that we were talking about, I know we were joking around, but I, I really started thinking about it, and it's been bothering me for the last couple of days. And I just wondered if you'd wanted to talk more. I said, sure. And we just started walking. I was like, where are you headed? He's like, that way with the group. And so slowly what happened over the next half hour is the group moved ahead of us, and he stuck behind. And I was like, don't you want to be with them? He's like, I don't care. This is more important. And he just asked question after question after question, going, explain this to me. And I got to share the gospel with him on his terms. Let me give you a, a Bible example of, like, the same thing. Um, we're going to be in Acts 8, Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 30. And uh, to set this up, this is, if I can break this down, if you're a note taker or if you're looking for, like, the practical, um, this is what I learned in Panama City Beach. I do three things. I build a relationship with someone. I ask them questions, and then I ask permission to share. That's it. Sometimes it doesn't get beyond step one. It's just a relationship, as in that example. Step number two, sometimes I just ask people a lot of questions, and I'm gonna, I'll share a story with you in a second. Sometimes I just ask questions, and it lands there. 
You know, and people, they just think about it, or I don't know, I don't know what you think, what do you think? And the last part is I always ask permission to share, going, hey, has anybody ever shared this with you before? Or can I share you what my story is like, or what my experience has been like? So that's what I walked out, but let me just model this for you in Acts chapter 8. There's a guy named Philip. Philip, all you need to know about Philip is he's a disciple of Jesus, who understands that Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost. And so Philip's mission is to what? Seek and save the lost. So here we go. Philip, he ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So Isaiah is a book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, the man said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Who's he talking about? Jesus. But let's go to the next side. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, Who is the prophet talking about? Is it himself or is it someone else? Because if you don't know Jesus, and if you don't know the story of Jesus, nothing else makes sense. So he's saying, Philip, tell me. You have this information that I'm longing for. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm wrestling through this. You know, I'm trying to figure it out. Help, Philip. Who is it? And Philip, I love this line. This is the line we need to walk away with today. Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip started right where the guy was at. He wasn't a project. He wasn't, you know, he didn't whip out his own Bible and go, okay, I'm going to walk you through Genesis and then Exodus. He he started right where the man was at, right where he had questions. And he said, let's just, what questions do you have? Let's just start there. And move forward. What ends up happening to this guy is the guy goes, I I want Jesus to be in my life. I want to follow him. I want to be a disciple like you. And so if that leads to baptism, which Philip talked to him about, what is stopping me from being baptized right now? I see a body of water right there. The the eunuch's going, this is a no-brainer. There it is. I'm ready. What's stopping us? And so he gets out and Philip baptizes the guy as an outward sign of what just happened inside the eunuch's heart. That he just said, I just gave my life to Jesus. I understood that there was a life before him. And then Jesus came into my life. I want to make the trade. I want to make the great exchange. I want Jesus to be my life. That's what I want. And so he was baptized as a sign of that. So why should we share? Why should we look for opportunities like Philip did? Why should we do that? And to answer that question, I just want to share a story with you. And you have to know this up front. This is my favorite story of all time. It's the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. It's one of the coolest people that I've met um, just with her story. Um, But I want to tell you Priyanka's story. So this is Priyanka. Go ahead and look at the picture here. Um, Priyanka, fast forward, back in college, right? Freshman year, must have been a big year for me. And uh, fast forward, sophomore year, as I start, I'm now the RA. I'm now in charge of this floor of 60 freshmen. I'm the glorified babysitter. 
and uh, interesting how tides have turned. And so my job is to just take care of, you know, these residents, the 60 freshmen that are there. And one of them who struggled to connect kind of right off the bat was Pre. And Pre struggled, and, you know, oftentimes I would see her late at night, and she would just sit outside of her door, you know, to her dorm room. She would just sit out there almost like asking for someone to interact or asking someone to build a relationship with her. And there were so many times that I just walked past and went, not tonight. I just got too much to do. I got too much on my mind. I got too much whatever. It's too late. But eventually I just went, you know, I I should just sit down and get to know her. And so one day I just went up and said, can I sit next to you? She said, sure. And I said, how's life treating you? So she lets me in. You know, I'm struggling a little bit. It's hard to connect and I miss family and this is unusual for me and whatnot. And I went, oh, okay. And so we just started building this relationship, but I want to turn it to her words so you can hear what it was like from her perspective. What she says here is she said, born into a Hindu household, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of any other religion. I hardly understood my own, and I came to realize how little I knew about Hinduism, even though I had called myself a Hindu for 17 years. When my RA, David, asked me to explain things about Hinduism to him, I never really understood the things that my parents explained to me. So when I would ask questions, they would answer me with, we just do it, and that was never enough for me. I didn't feel like I knew our gods. The main answer that I would tell David when he would ask me questions was, I don't know. I would ask her everything. Tell me about Hinduism. Tell me about your gods. Tell me about the scripture that you use. Who do you pray to? Um, What kind of festivals? Just teach me. Just teach me about you. Teach me what you believe. And so I'm asking her, and she says, the main answer I would say is, I don't know. And this next line said, he could tell I was bothered. It messed with her. After a few days, we were sitting in his dorm talking again and found that I had been thinking about religion even more than usual after our last conversation. And I'll never forget what happened at this point. Because we're in my room, we're sitting on the couch, you know, the door's open, and she gets up to leave because we just talked about whatever I had stuff to do. And so she stood up, and I remember having this dialogue in my head of, should I say something or shouldn't I? Should I say it or not? Should I ask a question or shouldn't I? And I'm wrestling back and forth. And maybe some of you can relate to that, going, I don't know if I should engage in this conversation right now or not. And it's almost like I just, I did it before I could change my mind, and I just blurted out, has anyone ever shared the gospel with you before? And I'll never remember, or I'll never forget what happened, because she, she turned her head, and she looked at me, with just this solemn face and just shook her head. And that broke me. And I don't know where you're at or what you feel about that, but for me, this is what I thought. For 17 years, she's been surrounded by Christians who never took the opportunity to share with her what a saving relationship with Jesus can look like. And just like Joel... She mattered to me. And so I respond with one simple question, and that's this. Can I? She said, the next few hours were spent with David sharing the gospel with me. So obviously I hadn't figured out the simplified version yet. 
said that night changed everything. We spoke more the next few weeks and eventually I asked if I could join him and some of our other friends for church because there was always a sense of belonging that I never felt at the temple. Soon enough, I found myself going to church with them on a regular basis, attending the well, crew, joining community group, going to campus praise rallies. At one point, I just looked at her and said, Pre, you do more church than I do. And it was true. But she says this, eventually it was my fear of what my family would say that was the one thing holding me back. I had been blessed to have so many people praying for me And sometime in the fall, David asked me what was going through my mind and what my views were about God because I was still going to church and all of these different groups, but I had never actually said out loud that I was a Christian. I told him I liked going to church and that I felt like I belonged there. And we could both see God pursuing me in so many ways. Fast forward a year. 12 months of this, inviting her to everything, every party, every social outing, every church service, every mission event, sent event like we're doing today, anything that it was, I would just say, just come, just come join. It doesn't matter if you don't believe or don't align, just, just come, just come be with us. So this is what she says. A couple months later, 12 of them to be exact, I decided to give my life to Jesus. And I about lost it. I told David over lunch one day, and he did backflips in front of everyone. I added that part. I was amped, you know, to sit and to look at someone, to look someone in the face who you've prayed for and cried over and, and encouraged others to be praying for and just related to and just going, this matters more than anything in the world. To have her look at me in the face and say, I'm, I follow Jesus. I about lost it. She said, we talked about being baptized, and David baptized me at Fairhaven Church on December 7th, 2013. There were three of us baptized that day. You know what happened after? Pre went back home. She told her family that she was a Christian, her Hindu family that she was a Christian, and her dad responded by saying this, you're not my daughter anymore. You know what that does? That breaks me. But her response was so strong. And she said, Dad, that hurts me more than you'll ever understand. But I won't disown Jesus. You know what she did after? For years, this is years ago, for years, she's been a camp counselor. She's volunteered at churches. She's been on mission trips. She's shared her faith and her story with so many people and so many people she's leading to the Lord. She's on staff at a church right now doing the same thing for children's ministry, pouring in and investing because she understands the same thing we need to understand. And that is this, disciples make disciples. The coolest part of this story to me is years later, her dad, this broke him. And so as he and her mom would come and visit her, they would say, we'll, we'll give church a try. 
And so she takes them now every time they visit, comes and brings them to a church just like this where they hear the same gospel that she's given her life to. This is why it matters. Do you agree? So there's one thing I want to do just with your attention right now. And that's to point at Charlie. Do you recognize Charlie? Do you notice him playing keys up here? This is also Charlie's story. That Charlie came and delivered a piano for us for Christmas Eve services back in December. And as he dropped off the piano, Corey and Bill, two guys on our staff, did just three easy things. They struck up a relationship with him. They asked him questions and they threw an invite out and said, if you want, if you're open, no pressure, we'd love to have you join us. And what Charlie told me just before the service, he gave me permission to share this, is that, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I walked away for decades. And when I got the invitation, I came back and it's changed everything. And now he's up here leading us in worship. Disciples make disciples. Can we clap for that? So just as we close, um, I don't want to make an assumption that all of us in this room are Christians. I don't want to make an assumption that all of us are followers of Jesus and that this message applies to all of us. And But one thing I, I am going to do is I, this church is a place where people can make commitments where people can hear the gospel and then respond. And so if this is you, and if you felt like God's been stirring in your heart, like this is me, and this is the gospel, and I'm offering the great exchange to you right now to leave your old life behind, to leave the sin and the shame and the guilt that you carry with, and you want new life, the life that Jesus promises that's different for eternity, if that's you, I'm going to put you on the spot right now and just ask you to raise your hand and say, this is me, I want this. so I don't see any hands and this is the same thing that happened first service I anticipated this here's my challenge to all of us we have an opportunity to bring people in our lives to bring the Priyankas to bring the Charlies to put an invite out to our neighbors to our family, to our friends to our co-workers, to our classmates we have an opportunity to invite them to come and join, especially next weekend. It's baptism weekend. It's a perfect opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond. But my challenge to you is this. Who is it? Who is it? Who's God's turn on your mind? There's two questions that I have for you. Or not two questions, but last two things would be this. Some of us need to be activated. We need to be sent out in the world to go do what God's called us to do, to go seek and seek to seek and save the lost. But then there's the last group, and that's this. Some of us just need to be encouraged. You've shared before and it hurt. Or you've shared and you lost a relationship. Or you shared and you looked foolish. Or you shared and you lost a promotion. Or you shared and you paid some sort of cost. I just want to encourage you to say, the cost of sharing may be high, but it's never higher than the cost of not sharing, especially to the other person. So would you pray with me as we pray for opportunities next week to bring people and invite people into this space to experience Jesus. Father, we just come before you now, grateful to be a part of your church. 
grateful for the opportunity that, that we've heard the gospel and that we've accepted the gospel and that you are our savior. God, I pray for just stirring of our hearts right now that you would put people in every one of us here, that you would put people in our minds and on our hearts of people that are in our context that have yet to have a relationship with you. And I pray that we would carry a burden for them, that we would seek out opportunities to share about you and to share about who you are and to share about your goodness because you work through your church. God, we just love you and thank you for what you're doing here. And we pray for a huge Sunday next Sunday, as so many people will be coming and being baptized and giving their lives to you. Father, we love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.